Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of season two of Cruel Summer Book Club, a podcast about change, how we get through it, and what we learn on the other side. I'm your host, Jillian Anthony, and I'm excited to share with you some of my favorite ways to close out the year and welcome a new one. First, I want to thank all of you so much for listening this year. I hope this podcast has been a comfort and a friend and sparked your curiosity both in the world and in yourself. I am so thankful for my amazing guests and their willingness to open up and be honest about the big changes in their lives. And I'm so grateful I get to create this art and I learn so much from it and that makes me feel really alive and I'm happy I get to share it with all of you. I thought I'd start out by telling you about some of my favorite books that I read this year. I've got to give shout outs to the authors that were my guests this season, including Tiffany Philippou, who wrote the memoir Totally Fine and Other Lies I've Told Myself, Dylan Marin, who wrote the book Conversations with People Who Hate Me, Jessica Dore, who wrote Tarot for Change, and Casey Johnston, who wrote Liftoff, Couch to Barbell. Each of these books touched my life this year, and I highly recommend you check all of them out. So in 2022, I read 42 books, which I am very happy about. And you can check out my full list on Goodreads if you would like. My favorite book of the year overall was A Heart That Works by Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney is an actor that you might know from the show Catastrophe. I've had a huge crush on him for years and have also read his first book, but this book was very different. It was a memoir about losing his two-year-old son, Henry, to cancer. It's a book about living through tragedy and grief and how he and his family now live without Henry, but also live with as much joy as they can and a lot more awareness of what's important in life and how he wants to spend his time. And it's wrenching and beautiful, and I truly read it in 48 hours. I couldn't put it down. My favorite philosophical read of this year was 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. I have no idea whether this book is actually found in the philosophy section of the bookstore, but it altered the way I think about time in a real way this year. Oliver Berkman used to write a productivity column for years, but this book is like an anti-productivity productivity book. It helps you get real about the fact that you are going to die, you are a speck floating on a rock in space, and one day no one will remember you. And that is actually great because all of that gives you the freedom to live the life you really want to be living and to spend time the way you want to. The mantra I try to remember nowadays is nothing matters. I don't mean this in a fatalistic or pessimistic way but rather in a way that reminds me that this moment is all that I have, that the love I have for myself, my loved ones, and my community matters so much more than how many tasks I get done this week or how much I accomplish, because no one will remember any of that anyways. Work and money is a necessity in our current society, but how many hours you work and the priority you place on work is completely optional. I want work to be far below most of my other priorities, and this book gave me real ways to implement that in my life. I had no idea who Jeanette McCurdy even was, but her memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died, 
was one of those books that shocked me with the reality of how some families function. I loved Michelle Zahner's love letter to her mother and Korean food in Crying in H Mart, and Chanel Miller's searing look at how victims of sexual assault are treated in this country in Know My Name. I love John Krakauer's deadly journey to Mount Everest and Into Thin Air, and David Sedaris's insane diaries from the last 50 years. But the books that likely had the most profound impact on me this year were Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington, as well as her 100-day Sober Curious Reset Journal. Last January 1st, I knew I was going to spend 100 days sober and examine my relationship with alcohol closely. I ended up spending 167 days sober because I liked it so much. My relationship with booze is still a work in progress, but I feel much better about where I'm at now than I did at the end of 2021. So if you are someone who does not feel at peace with your relationship with alcohol, the book Sober Curious is a fantastic place to start. And if you want to hear more about my sobriety journey this year, you can listen to my friend Catherine Andrews' podcast, The Sunday Soother. She had me on as a guest on the episode titled Exploring Time Off from Alcohol, and we went more in depth on the topic there. So now let's move on to my favorite ways to reflect on the past year and align my intentions and goals to welcome a new year. This will be my third or fourth year filling out the year compass. I was first told about this workbook by my cousin Adam, and it's really helped me identify some of my bigger goals each year and knock them out. It's also a great way to close your year, to be grateful for the good and say, get the hell out of here to the bad and give yourself a fresh intentional slate for the new year. It's free to download at yearcompass.com and there's a version you can print out or one you can fill out on your computer. I usually print it out, then answer the questions in a separate notebook because I have huge wild handwriting and need a lot of space to roam. First, the notebook takes you through a series of questions to take stock of 2022. You write summaries of what was most important to you in different categories like personal life and family, work, finances, creativity, and more. You answer some questions about your year, like who influenced you most, what you were most proud of, your biggest accomplishments, and your biggest challenges. Then you write down all of the biggest events and trips you took and identify the best moments of your year. This is my favorite part because it's so grounding to look back through the calendar and remember just how many things I did and people I spent time with. Finally, you write about things you'd like to forgive and let go of from 2022. Then you say goodbye to all that. The final part of the workbook focuses on 2023. You write down three things that you will love about yourself, three things you will let go of, three things you want to accomplish, what you will draw the most energy from, who you will lean on, and more. Then you write down a page full of big, huge, grand dreams for the year. If you had a perfect year exactly as you envisioned it, what would that look like? The surprising thing about this section is when I look back at my past year compasses, So many of these big dreams came true for me exactly as I wrote them. For example, at the beginning of 2021, I was unemployed and living with my parents in Las Vegas, and I did not yet know which city I would move to or when. 
So when I filled out my year compass, I dreamed big. On January 2nd, 2021, I wrote my greatest dreams for the year ahead. And I'm going to read them to you now. I move to a new city where I am blissfully happy. I find the community and my people quickly. I'm shocked by the good people who come into my life. My apartment hut is easy. and When I walk into the place, I instantly know this is it and I'll be so happy building a home here. I fill it with secondhand items that are affordable and lovely and filled with positive energy. I buy items carefully and fill my home with colorful accents and personality and texture and most of all plants. Minerva finds a spot by the big window she loves to lie in and loves having more space. There's a small outside area I love to let her play in in my front yard. There's a chair and table outside so I can eat breakfast and have coffee and journal and be seen by neighbors who say hello to me. My little car is cute and trusty and takes me everywhere I need to go. I hunt for the perfect big wall mirror and find one with golden accents. The friendships that are important to me grow and sustain and the ones that aren't fade and I make peace with that and know it's for the best. I keep on hiking and walking. I join groups and make friends there who show me new skills. I stay outside as much as possible. When I'm settled, I go to the shelter and meet my new best friend. I take them home and Minerva adores them and the home feels very full and happy. My dating life is joyful and fun and men show me around their cities. I meet a lot of good, different people who continue to open my eyes up about the world. I travel and see new parts of the world. I challenge myself. I'm there for my family and keep working on my relationship and patience with them. I train my attention back to what matters. I build habits that make me feel healthy and strong. I am a writer. I am proud of myself. I transform. So every single thing that I wrote there has happened the last year and a half when I moved to Austin, including the gold accent mirror and the small front yard where Minerva and I relax and even adopting a new cat from the shelter. It's not magic. It's the fact that I wanted all of these things badly. I spelled them out for myself and then I made them happen. And that's the magic of your compass. These workbooks and my journals from the past few years help reveal to me the things I've been trying to do and change for years that I have not been successful at. These include less screen time, building a daily meditation practice, having more creative hobbies like painting instead of watching TV, and creating a daily writing routine. Then there are the things I really have changed. My relationship to alcohol is a big one. I wanted to travel more and spend more time in nature, and I do a lot of both. I spend more intentional time with family and appreciate those moments more, and I worked on getting closer to my siblings. I journal at least a few times a week in the morning and have a much better connection to my higher self. I've cultivated self-compassion. I've read more every year since I first made a goal to read 25 books in 2020, and this year I read 42. I've built a new community here in Austin and continue to focus on important relationships and letting fading relationships go. I've been more active in social and political causes I care about and more informed. And I've built up my freelance business. I finally opened my LLC around my birthday this year in April. 
and I committed to being brave and having tough conversations with the people who are important to me because they matter and because I care about working through our issues so we can remain close. I believe that the year compass has been a way for me to identify my dreams and goals so I can move more intentionally toward them each year. If you want to try it for yourself, the workbook suggests carving out four quiet hours to complete it, but it takes me more like six hours. I know that's a lot of time you may not have, so we'll discuss a couple of other options as well, but I think it's well worth your time. It's a great activity to do the first week of January or even New Year's Day, or just any time you need to zoom out on your life and have a serious reset. I personally plan to fill mine out at the end of January this year and give myself a quiet month to relax and settle into 2023. Another thing I've done for the last few years is to choose a word for my year. 2021's word was transform, which I did in almost every way. And 2022's word was feel, which I think I did an okay job of. Sobriety definitely helped with that in the first half of the year. If you want help finding your specific word, Susanna Conway has a resource called Find Your Word that you can download for free on her website. And she also has a wonderful free end of year workbook called Unravel Your Year that you can find there as well. That's at SusannaConway.com, S-U-S-A-N-N-A-H-C-O-N-W-A-Y. And one more option that could take you 30 to 60 minutes to finish is the Foursquare model. This is something I first learned about from Fran Hauser's book, The Myth of the Nice Girl, several years ago, and she calls it her boundary setting tool. You divide a piece of paper into four squares and you mark each corner with the four most important areas of your life. For me in the past, I have put work and creativity in one corner, family and relationships in another, volunteering in a third, and mental and physical health in the last square. Then you write no more than three priorities in each of the boxes which forces you to think about what has to be on that list as well as what should not be on that list. When you're done, you have a list of the top 12 priorities in your life. And anything that falls outside of those priorities is something you should consider making a lot less room for or leaving behind altogether. You can read more about this and download a free template on Franhauser's website at franhauser.com. F-R-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-R. The Foursquare model is a really great exercise to do quarterly check-ins to check back in with yourself and see how you've aligned with your priorities in the last quarter and how they need to shift moving forward. One new thing I did this year was to take time every Sunday to write down one or two sentences about what the best part of my week was. Then rip off the scrap of paper and put it into a pretty jar where they all collected all year long. I first heard about this practice from Dolly Meckler, the creator of Holla Dolly in New York. And I diligently wrote down my best things every Sunday all year long. I'm looking forward to reading all of them on New Year's Day to set a tone of gratitude for 2023. So that's one more tradition you could try out for yourself in the new year, and I feel like that would be really fun to do with kids too. Finally, I want to share with you some of my bucket list dreams that I look forward to working on in 2023 and beyond. I want to live abroad for at least a year. 
I want to be fluent in Spanish. I want art and creativity to come first in my life, and I want to have a daily creative habit that feels sustainable and nourishing. I want to write a book. I want to feel truly at home in my body. I want to embody the knowledge that everything I could ever need is already within me. Whatever your dreams are for 2023, I want to encourage you to embrace them. Don't keep yourself small or diminish your own light. So much is possible this year, and you are fully capable of making many wonderful things happen. It helps me to remember that I am but a speck floating on a rock in space. We've got this moment in time to be alive, and that's it, so we might as well live the way we want to. Change is one of the only certainties in the world, and sometimes that change will happen to you without your knowledge or consent. But never forget that you also have the power to create your own change at any moment. Happy New Year, everyone. I wish you so much joy and love in 2023. Thank you for being here. Remember that you can follow more of my work and my writing at cruelsummerbookclub.substack.com. That's my newsletter where I write about change in my own life. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jilla Thrilla. And if you loved this season of Cruel Summer Book Club, please don't forget to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me reach new listeners and I would really appreciate it. Don't forget to take care of your heart in the new year. See you soon.